You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The Bannermen are back for episode 35. For some reason, the Kings are doing well. We're very confused, but here we are. Four points out of the playoffs, Vardy. How are you tonight? Absolutely bewildered. <laughs> I, uh, it's it's an interesting position to be in. I'm not going to lie. It's very, very uh, odd. I don't really know what to feel. Mixed emotions. Let's go with that. I actually want to really get into that as we go on today. It's like how do you deal with this current situation <laughs> that our favorite team has put us in as supporters of said team? Yeah. And we'll be figuring that out. But it is episode 35, and we're going to do our usual tradition of Vardy picking whose episode it is. Correct. We're going to do that off the bag because it's so entertaining for us especially hopefully it's entertaining <laughs> for you guys uh, so I, I i like the recent things that we've been doing where uh, we do a little trivia since you're much better mm. at, uh, at king's history than i am so um there have been eight <sighs> players to have ever worn the number 35 for the los angeles kings okay eight okay for some reason i thought there would be more only eight only eight. only these these eight gentlemen okay, have a few are jumping I'll, up right away so <laughs> And I'll and I'll make it even easier for you. Seven of the eight have been goaltenders. Yeah, see, like the first four names that came to my mind were goaltenders. So good. So you're halfway there. Not you're halfway surprised. There. All right. <clears throat> Let there me was see. one individual who that, was that not a goaltender. That wasn't a goalie, man. That's Correct. hard. That one is. Correct. I'm not gonna get that. I'll, I'll even I'll, I'll I'll even give you a bit more of a hint. No, 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 not yet. Hold on. No, no, no. It's not a hint. It's okay. just it's a timeline thing. Okay. 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 The first person to have ever worn it, worn in the 1985 season. So wow. these are fairly recent players. Like it, this isn't some dude who wore it in 67 or something like that, you know? Was the 1985 one Glenn Healy? No, but he was one of them. Okay, so he's one of them. So I know one. he's one of them. Okay, for he sure. got one. Because he, he wore the purple and gold and the silver and black, so I thought it might be right around there. So Glenn Healy was the f one of the first ones that came to my mind. Jason LaBarbera is another one that comes to mind. Darcy Kemper, mm -hmm. the most recent one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Rob Stauber from 92-93, baby. Can't forget that. Never. Um, that's four. See, this is where I'm already struggling. <laughs> I'm already struggling, but I have a feeling I'm going to pull one or two the more I think about it. Mm -hmm. So they're fairly recent, huh? And they're goaltenders. Oh, Fissé. Stefan Fissé. Okay. Um, man. Oh, Cristobal Huey. There you go. How many am I right now? Six? I think you're at six. Now you're down to the, yeah, to the last is, two that are going to be the hardest. Those are those were hard to pull as, as it is. Right. I don't think – I think Fukufuji is not – I think he was 36. Mm -mm. Okay. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone else. I mean, I'm sure I, – I, I really can't. Like, I know it's a, it's a goalie from the 80s. Roly Melanson? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that was my is best that, shot. Is that a real name? <laughs> That's Roland Melanson, goaltender for the Kings. Yes, I just can't remember what number he wore. Anyway. Um, okay. Yeah, so okay. I give up. I wave the white flag. All right. Uh, Darren Elliott oh, from 1985 to 1987. Yeah. I wasn't going to get that. Nope. And the one that I... So curious. This is one of those super obscure ones. 
somehow, some way, this individual managed to play three seasons in the NHL, okay, but a combined 25 games only between three seasons. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Ardo Blomston. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel so bad. About, I don't feel bad at all about not knowing that you one. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. He oh. played six games with the Kings between 94-95 and 95-96. Oh, how do I not? Okay. He got two assists total in that period of time. Playmaker. He's drafted, <laughs> he's drafted in the 12th round, which no longer exists. Good Lord. And uh, he was a Finnish defenseman. Ardo Blomston. Is this the Ardo Blomston episode? Wasn't planning on it, but it can be. <laughs> no, we. I gotta. I gotta hear your official take on whose episode it is. The fans uh, demand it, Vardy. The fans. Well, then the fans need to know that it is. It belongs to the goaltender who wore the number thirty-five and had the sweetest mask of all number thirty-fives. Oh, yeah. One, Stefan. That was a sweet mask, wasn't it? That King Golden. Tuck mask. And it got stolen. It got ro- yeah, he got robbed. I remember that. I mean, if you're going to steal any mask. That's the one. That's the one to steal. And I'm not saying I have it because I would have only been three years old at the time. But <laughs> if I was some sort of a criminal mastermind. You were much older than good. three. I don't want anyone thinking you're oh, eight, my bad, 18 my bad. years no, old right now. I'm sorry. I got, I got all caught he's up legal. with the idea. That, yeah, no, no. He's not a child worker, everyone. Sorry. R- relax. I got all confused because I was talking about how 85 was the first year anyone right. wore the number right. 35, right. et cetera. Uh, Stefan Fisset episode. I support this. I support this Indeed. very much. Indeed. All right, then. Stefan Fisset it is. Mm-hmm. We, we got to start it off. We're a little late on this, but... The Jake Muzzin trade. Jake's on a plane. Finally. That's right. That's right. Been sitting on that one. We've been sitting on this episode cycle for a while. If you remember last year, we were uh, petitioning for Jake Muzzin for <laughs> Landeskog trade. And we had this in the chamber ready to go. And now we can unleash it. Jake Muzzin traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, what were your initial feelings, Marty? We'll talk about the return and everything as we go, but... Just your initial thoughts on when you heard that Muzzin was traded, because I think initially the hall wasn't announced quite yet. Yeah, um, I'm I'm okay with. So we've obviously been talking about the idea of of him potentially being traded for a couple seasons now for multiple reasons: his contract, his productivity. He was he was obviously I think a very uh, reasonable trade chip, um, and so I don't I, I don't really have a problem necessarily with him getting traded especially with how the team is doing at the moment um i think toronto's a nice destination for him i think he fits in well and i think um they're a team that was definitely lacking a defenseman of that level i think the reaction to <laughs> to them to them receiving him was a, a bit overblown and, and i don't know as if is the case usually with i mean, I mean anything, anything toronto, toronto does right right i mean they were you know they were just like how do we get him how do we snag this franchise defenseman and you know like okay guys he's he's good he's he's a good player for you guys i hope you're happy i hope he uh i hope he helps you make a long playoff run you know we we said it even at the beginning of the season that it's it's good for hockey for 
for Toronto to be a good team. And I, I support the notion of them being a good team. And, you know, I did not think that Jake Muzzin was going to be a lifetime king. Truthfully, I think even if he had stayed through his contract, I didn't think we we're going to resign him because he was going to be in his mid-30s at that point. And so I'm I'm perfectly okay with the idea of him being traded as as we were in the offseason. You know, if we had traded him for Landeskog in the offseason, I don't think anyone would have been disappointed even now, you know. If we had gotten, if I mean, looking at how Landis Cox playing now, and granted, he's he's with McKinnon and and uh, Rontanen, and those guys are just lethal as a line. But even if we had done that offseason trade that we had talked about with Muzzin going to Colorado for Landis Cog, I would have been fine with that. Truthfully. Yeah, it's all relative to where the Kings are and where the Kings are headed when right. the trade is made. At that time, the Kings were in good shape. At at that time, the Kings were a playoff team they were i can't remember if it was in the off season i can't remember if it was during the season but anyway the kings certainly weren't in any position to retool or rebuild just yet right now things are obviously different although who who knows last week being the exception so the kings end up receiving carl grunstrom sean dersey and Toronto's first in 2019, which is likely to be between 20 and 31. Mm-hmm. So, in reality, I, that's about right. I, a lot of people were – there was mixed reactions. A lot of people were feeling we, sh- we could have gone more. A lot of people were like, this is exactly what I thought we would get. I didn't have a real issue with it, to tell you the truth. I thought, especially after doing more research on Grunstrom and Dursey, uh, again, with Grunstrom, it's also – two different sides it looks like to this story a lot of people have him as a high-end prospect a lot of people think he might be a top six winger and then some other places where you read have him kind of topping out as maybe a middle six forward a a good third liner with Sean Dursey however there's been like rave reviews about his play he's a offensive defenseman he's a good player both have been labeled as almost locks to be NHL players Mm-hmm. which is fantastic if you get two prospects like that because if someone at their age is considered a lock to be in the NHL, that means they have a high ceiling no matter what. And then obviously the first-round pick. We talked last episode about the Kings wanting to stock up on first-round picks. A lot of people who cover the Kings have reported that they are trying to do that. So now they have two in 2019. I suspect they're going to try to get another one for next year, load up on seconds, whatever they can. So all in all, I mean, it's fine. After the trade, the Kings have been pretty good, actually, <laughs> funny enough. But, you know, Jake Muzzin was a polarizing player for us, not just us, the Bannerman, us Kings fans. Um, it, it's – I don't know if it's sad to see him go, but it is kind of a, a sign of the times of where this team is and might be going. It, it is the first kind of biggish name, I would say, because Tanner Pearson – was a fringe kind of a player for this team. Jake Muslim was considered at one time to be a true core player on the LA Kings. So it's the first big shot, I think, in terms of a retour or a recreation, whatever you want to call it, of the Kings. And I'm okay with it. Overall, I feel good about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not heartbroken in any way. I mean, the reason why it's, it's a big shot is because he was probably your most tradable asset for the for the reasons that we covered his age, his um, affordable contract, 
and what he what he brings to the table. Especially you know, if you're looking for a first round pick. Yeah, which yeah, they exactly. were. So which which should be your goal, right? Like if you're clearly a seller at the deadline, your goal should be to stock up on the highest possible picks that you can. And so really, the most reasonable person that you were going to trade to get a first round pick was going to be Jake Muzzin. Now we've talked about how uh, Jeff Carter maybe can snag you first round pick in the in the right situation, but he's older. He's got more years left on an expense not an expensive contract, but a longer contract that a team is not necessarily going to want to swallow. There's also that whole discussion about whether or not he would retire rather than you know keep playing on the Kings, which who knows how real that is. His productivity hasn't been the same this year, so there's a lot of reasons why you could argue that you're going to have a tough time necessarily getting a first round pick for Jeff Carter. Jonathan Quick is the other uh, potential tradable asset that we've talked about. But again, you're talking about a, a goaltender in his in his early 30s now with a long deal, not a cheap deal by any standards. And goalie trades in the middle of the season like that, you know, you just you don't see him happen too often, truthfully. So when you look at the overall picture, and again, like you mentioned, based on where the Kings are right now, Jake Muzzin was easily your your most tradable asset and I, i'm okay with the return i think um even if you even if you um consider uh Dursey and grunstrom you know what's what's their low end potential here right like you're talking about middle six i think i think a solid third line forward and a solid middle pairing offensive minded defenseman right hand shot mind you that's what you're looking at plus a first round pick I'm okay with that. I really am. And some people are, again, like you mentioned, disappointed that it should have been a higher pick. It's like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, the guy, the people who are going to be buyers at the deadline are going to be contending teams. You're going to get these late first-round picks. It's just it's just what it is. And you're not going to get two firsts for Jake Muzzin. I'm sorry. It's right. just not going to happen. Right. No, I agree. Uh, you're, you're not going to get two firsts. And I don't think getting a roster player or anything like that no. is really doing anything no. for you at this point in time. Uh, Grunstrom with the rain – He's played, I believe, three games, and he has two goals and two assists. He popped mm-hmm. in two today. Looks like he's a good player. Uh, Sean Dersey is in the OHL with the Guelph Storm. He's got 15 points in 10 games this season. With the Storm, he's splitting time. He was out with the Owen Sound attack before. 17 points in 18 games. So he looks like a real good player. He's only 20 years old. This is this is what it is when when you are trying to retool on the fly this is the these are the kind of moves you're going to make these are the kind of returns you're going to get and this is a good return if you're talking about essentially two seconds and a first uh that's not bad that's not bad so that's that jake muzzin happy trails good times thanks for helping us with that one cup you weren't really a part of that first one but in 13 in 2012 2013 the year they went to the western conference final and then the following year when they won the cup he was a big part of that king's team right. that elite defense that we had so the leafs are happy with him he fits in there like a glove they need him of course they really needed a right hand shot but those apparently don't grow on trees these days um every hit he makes every pass he makes every shot he takes right now it's taking their breath away in Toronto. Yeah, it so, really is. So, and, and we were talking about this. You know, I was trying to come up with like who was the last defenseman like Muzzin that they've had. And obviously, Morgan Riley's having a great season for them, but he's not of that same yeah. cloth. You know, and and the only name that I could come up with was was Caberlet. Was like the last guy That's that I could a while think back. of. Yeah, you could. And, I think Caberlet wasn't even really much of a 
like a hitter, you know. Not like at Jake all. Luke, he is yeah. no, not at all. He was a offensive defenseman. I don't think right. he was a big shutdown player either. Dion Phaneuf, I think, came in right. with the same kind of hoopla. I remember Brian Burke's press conference when he had acquired Phaneuf. He basically strutted right. to the microphone to announce the birth like, of Trussulans. We got this guy. Like, you see what I've done here. Right. I have gotten this guy, and he was right. proud. And and it was the same kind of fanfare when Fanuf was there, which is crazy because at that time Fanuf was a like a legit number one defenseman. Right before he kind of fell off a cliff, which we'll probably get into a little more yeah. as we go on with what's going on with him. So that's that. Happy trails, number six. Um, let's talk about the Kings after the All Star break. Boys are playing loose out there. Boys are playing like they have nothing to lose. And when you have nothing to lose, you could be a dangerous team, to, especially when you're facing teams with a lot of pressure on them to perform who are trying to make the playoffs. That's that's how they look right now. And I can't remember any time this season where it looked like we had three lines going at the mm-hmm. same time. And since the All-Star break, the Kings have had three lines going at the same time. Now, going doesn't really mean being all over the score sheet, but I'm talking about Zone time, I'm talking about having the puck, creating chances. Today's game against Philly, a shootout win, the Kings had three lines going. The Kopitar line, uh, the Kempe line, and the Wagner-Clifford-Amadio line were all over the place. It's just crazy. The Kings right now, they look fast. They look fast. When you're talking about haggling, Kempe, Leipzig, Wagner, today they were flying all over the ice. They have been flying all over the ice since the All-Star break. Adrian Kempe has caught some nasty fire. And <laughs> it begs the question, does Jeff Carter need to be injured for this kid to be who we think he could be? Yeah, it's it's quite baffling. You know, <laughs> I mean, you could trace his production last season to Carter's injury. And then again, this season now, you know, it, it's not even a long-term thing. Carter, as far as we know, might, might only be out a couple games, but it's like almost immediate. And, and I, I, for the life of me, I don't know what the difference is. I really don't. I mean, he's just suddenly all of a sudden in the right spots, you know, finding soft spots on the ice, putting shots on net, placing shots really well, um, using his speed and quickness to get into the proper position and forecheck well, um, and you know, to uh, to the coaching staff's credit, they've <laughs> figured out somehow yeah. a line that seems to work for him. And at the same time, Tyler Toffoli has has benefited from it as well. Looking good. Um, even though they're technically not on the same line, but like you know, the the overtime winner the other night was Toffoli and Kempe going in on a two on one, if I remember correctly, and the uh, the late goal at the end was that was that Toffoli throwing it blind to Kempe in the slot in the Rangers game. It was Toffoli, yes, it was Toffoli. I just remember I just remember the Selly, right? <laughs> the Selly so, always helps. <laughs> um. So it's just interesting, and I and I don't have a clear reason why. Maybe it is exactly as you said. You know, these guys are playing a little looser. I know in the last few weeks, um, the discussion has kind of backed off in terms of Tyler Toffoli's potential trade value, um, because the Kings, you know, they're finding that uh, he's kind of at a low in terms of his trade value, and 
they've kind of, they sold low on Tanner Pearson, and I, I don't think that they really necessarily want to do that with Toffoli, especially because he's still got another year left on his contract. There's no rush to to move him this season unless you're really getting an offer that's too good to refuse. Um, and so maybe the players are feeling that as well. Maybe maybe there's some backroom discussions a bit more um, in terms of who they think is going to move and not going to move. And it's just it's reflecting out on the ice. I think they're just you know playing fun hockey again, which was one of the things that they all commented on. Um, I remember last year when Stevens was was in there. You know, the hockey was fun again, and they were and they were winning in very similar fashion. So it's it's just interesting. It's just very interesting to see, and of course the Kings being the Kings. Even in a season like this where the first 50 games, they looked absolutely like surefire locks for a top five pick. Now, really, they could be anywhere. I mean, they've got 30 games to, and, and the Western Conference is so atrocious so that they could they could really be anywhere. They could be anywhere from like a wild card spot to the last team in the West between now and, and, and April. Yeah, and the trade deadline is going to be a big factor in right. what's going to happen there. The last four games, the Kings had the Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Flyers. They lost to the Islanders. Then uh, overtime win, Rangers 5-1, a sound defeat of the Devils, and then 3-2 uh, shootout win against Philly. And even that Islanders game, man. I was going to say. That was, Islander, like, they did not look bad. They looked pretty good. They look, They had the game in hand. Right. In the third period, I think they right. were they had a lead halfway through, and and it just kind of collapsed in the end. And the Islanders are one of the hottest teams in the league as we record this. So encouraging, right? Encouraging to see it. Um, standings wise, the Kings are last in the Pacific, yes, with fifty points. They're last in the West. However, they are four points out of a playoff spot right now, uh, or is it five? It's five now because St. Louis, uh, St. Louis got uh, the win today. So five points out, and the Ducks, who have been <laughs> in a complete friggin' tailspin, are only like four points out themselves. Right? They have lost, I don't know, what is it, twenty of the last twenty-five? I don't know if I'm exaggerating there, but it's it's something ridiculous like yeah. that. I think as of today, they lost 18 of their last 20. There you go. That's probably more accurate. Maybe I was exaggerating a bit. But they they were, yeah. they were losing. They've, they lost 12 straight. They won two in a row, and now they're losing again. Right. They've lost six Bad. straight now. And what yeah. I read was I think they've scored five goals in those last six games and allowed 30-some-odd. It's not a good formula wow. for success. And we knew from the beginning of the season that their goaltending was keeping them afloat. And... There's only so much you could rely on, on, you know, John Gibson and Ryan Miller doing that for you, um, <laughs> man. But imagine, if you will, having that losing streak and still very much being in the playoff hunt, having a goal differential of minus fifty-one. Right. That is yeah. the Ducks' current goal differential, worst in the NHL by three miles or so. Yeah. And they're in the hunt, man. They officially have less goals scored than the Kings, which is pretty impressively terrible. Yeah. So they're in the hunt. The Kings are – it's just – it's a wacky 
wacky Western Conference right now. Right. I mean, sure. there's 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 basically five good teams, right? There's Winnipeg, Nashville, Calgary, San Jose, Vegas. Dallas is right. an okay team currently sitting in a playoff spot, and then really it could go either direction. I mean, this is the same Dallas Stars that we were talking about two months ago. Their CEO coming out and calling out their two best players and saying they weren't doing enough. So don't tell me that they're exactly secure in their locker room either. You know, like they're it's it's up for grabs. Not that I'm encouraging that. Not that that's what I want. Clearly, I, I I see no benefit in making a wild card spot and getting your ass handed to you by you know Winnipeg or something. But at the same time, if you look at it right now, they're they're equidistant from the from the playoff spot as they are, you know, from the bottom in my opinion. And frankly, there's so many other bad teams, not just in the West but in the NHL that. I, th- I think it's truly 50-50. I think it's 50-50 between like them making a wild card spot or ending up with a top five pick. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and and that kind of begs the question: is like when you're looking at what the Kings have ahead of them, is it are there any more significant trades left here? Is are they all uh, draft time trades now? If you keep this team together as it is, are you in right. danger? <laughs> this is going to sound yeah. crazy, but are you in danger of making the playoffs or just missing the playoffs and being in that dreaded black hole spot where you're not getting a top end draft pick and you're either missing the playoffs barely or you're squeaking in and likely getting your ass handed to you in the first round? It's 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 an interesting question because most of the time you would say, oh, yeah, we'll go playoffs all the way. But when you've basically come out, Rob Blake basically came out after this Muzzin trade and said, like, the writing's on the wall. Right. We know what's up. We know what we have to do. So if you if you keep the team as is, what if they make it? <laughs> or even worse, what if they just miss? But that's kind of where we projected them to be anyway, right? I mean, we, however poorly they've been playing this season – I think we've both felt like, and even a lot of people have felt like they're not this bad a team. You know what I mean? No, like there's, they were a bubble on team, paper, yeah. Right. They they were a bubble team when the season started, and they were doing a lot worse than I think a lot of us imagined them doing for various reasons. Um, and then you have a coaching change. You know, you bring in, a, you know not a good coach <laughs> as a, as a replacement. And then you have an adjustment period with that. And so I think now they're slowly working their way back up to that bubble where we all thought they would be in the first place, except now they're short Tanner Pearson and Jake Muzzin in the process. So I, I, I really don't know. And, and granted now the, you know, the lottery system is such that it's still theoretically possible that if you're the 10th worst team in the league, you could still get, you could still win the lottery, but like you're not, you know, you know you're, you're probably not. Yeah, you're probably not. But my point is that, like, my point is, you know, you always talk about that. You can't. You're not going to play. The team's not going to come out and play for a draft pick, right? You're not going to get twenty professional athletes to think to themselves, "All right, guys, let's do terrible." So that eighteen-year-old kid could come in not. and save some, us. Some you know? guys are playing for their future. Some guys are playing for contracts. Some guys are playing for bonuses that are in their right. contract. They're not going to – players don't do that. Um, right. Management yeah. does that. Coaches even don't do that. So it's right. essentially what management can take away right. at this point. And that's kind of what I mean is, is do you 
take away now pieces that, that are helping you put together wins. It, of course, no one would ever come out and say, this is what we're doing, you know, but right. it, it is but a, it, it's an interesting question. I, I, would, I would assume that no matter what happens, if, if presented the option, the Kings and their current uh, ownership or management group would rather make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's pretty... If from a financial standpoint, from a reputation standpoint, they would probably want to make the playoffs. Right. But from a pure hockey retool standpoint, maybe deep down inside they're thinking it might be okay if we don't. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting. Jeff Carter, like you said, Jonathan Quick, we kind of thought that he'd be an off-season move. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, obviously, the Nate Thompsons and Carl Hagelins of the world are probably going to get bounced. I don't know about a Trevor Lewis, but... Right, I think... So, I think the only ones that I would expect at this point to uh, to get moved by the deadline would be Hagelin and Thompson because they're on expiring deals, right? And these are, these are not guys that you're planning on re-signing. Right, these are slam-dunk trades, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not looking for much there. You're looking for third, fourth-round picks, I think, and then you just thank you and and you move on i think the wild cards in my mind are uh carter yeah you know that's and again i don't think it helps his cause when the team plays well without him in the lineup because then you start wondering well how much do we actually need him anymore anyway um and then uh to fully i'm Again, I'm I'm less inclined to think they're going to move him, especially because he still has a year left on his deal. And I think so too. I think he's staying. Right. Probably past uh, the summer too. I would say. I, I expect. Yeah, I think I think he's, he's more on someone the team. You, yeah, I think he, I think you give you give him another year to figure that figure out what direction it's going to go, and maybe you're right back at the same point next year at the same time, and you know then then you move him because he's an expiring deal and you know, he's not living up to potential. Um, the one of the wild card that I will bring up is, uh, is Martinez. Mm -hmm. Um, again, you have a older defenseman, you've got a younger crop of guys kind of coming in now. Um, you know, we all love him for what he is. He's a, he's a good middle pairing defenseman. Um, you can count on him and he's solid and unspectacular. So, um, but again, I, I don't see necessarily the the offer potentially being on the table for him. That's that's too good for you to move. Again, with Muzzin, you you were getting a first round pick. You know that's ultimately what matters. You were getting a first round pick, and you were getting two second round pick prospects. You're not going to get a deal like that for Martinez. I think your best shot is maybe you get a second rounder or maybe a prospect who's from the second round. That's my thought. And so is that really enough for you to consider moving him versus do you keep him? Because as many people have talked about, one of the, one of the biggest losses for the Kings had been that level of veteran leadership, those good locker room guys who'd been through the cup runs, who knew, you know, what it took to win. Um, and Martinez is one of those guys. I think he's kind of a quiet leader, but he's been through a lot of stuff with this team. And so I could see them just holding on to him because that's what he brings to the table and I, he's pretty affordable. Yeah. And I think value wise recently, very recently, Brian Boyle got traded from New Jersey to Nashville. Right. What you've described in Martinez, you could basically take word for word and apply yeah. it to Brian Boyle. He got a second round pick um 
from the Nashville Predators. So a second-round pick for Martinez is probably right on the money for what he can bring you, what he can give, what he can add to your lineup. But then, and I know you asked me this before, if Brian Boyle can get a second, what can Jeff Carter get? You asked me this question, and and it's a legitimate question. The term, of course, makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Jeff Carter signed long term, and he's even though he's on a sweet deal, it's still a pretty long contract. Right. Um, I still think, if I'm being totally honest, he probably gets a second round plus. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if if that first rounder with yeah, his term it... is going to happen for Carter, yeah. and it's it could happen. You know, very much it could happen. The teams. And it wouldn't be I, – I was going to say teams get wacky around the deadline, but it wouldn't be that wacky. It wouldn't be one of those like what are you doing kind of deals. So it's going to be interesting. The deadline is Monday, February 25th. It's it's always a fun day. Sometimes it disappoints. But the Kings have never – well, not never. That's a crazy thing to say. <laughs> the Kings haven't been in a position where they're sellers in a very long time. Yeah, and I, I... – I don't recall them being sellers with this much to potentially sell either at the deadline or at the draft. Because I think even if nothing really happens any further at the deadline beyond the Haglins and the Thompsons of the world, you still go into the offseason, I think, with the same potential trade chips very much on the table. In my opinion, even more so with something like the Jonathan Quick potential to be traded, which now more and more you see that uh, Columbus is going to lose Bobrovsky and Panarin. Um, would they potentially be someone that would be looking to bring on a guy like Jonathan Quick if they end up losing Bobrovsky, as it seems like they're going to do? Yeah, and that's a – man, that is an interesting, interesting one right, right there. That's that's an unenviable position for Columbus, man, because... It sucks. It sucks, but you could realistically get a really good haul, particularly for, I think, Panarin. Right. Um, but right now, you're you're sitting there in a playoff spot in the East. Yeah. And those yeah. are and two huge parts of your team. And you're not a bad team. No, you're not. Say, you're, but yeah. you're a lot worse if you move one or both of those guys. No matter yeah. what you get in return. Yeah. Columbus, it's going to be crazy to say, but Columbus, I think, with Panarin especially, might really hit a home run. Because, yes, he's a great player. He's an elite player. But they're a good team, I think, even without him. Even without him, I look at the team, I'm like, still a good team. Still, there's things there. They play well. They play hard. If they can get a roster player and some futures, might be a good trade. Well, the other thing you have to consider is that you would – potentially be trading him to another playoff team and sure, you yourself sure. are trying to make the playoffs and you know i don't know how comfortable they're going to be with that idea it's he's he's kind of got them over a barrel unfortunately if you get he, if you can get a youngish player out of it that's yeah maybe roster players a stretch but if you can get a youngish player out of it that has potential to really make an impact out of that like the team, the the big rumor is Florida wants both these guys, right? Right. Florida's all over both these guys. Florida has a lot of pieces, man. You could snag something nice from them. They made a trade uh, a couple of days ago, actually. Right, with uh, uh, Bukestad and uh, yes. Jared McCann to yes, uh, yes, yes, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. Uh, they got Derek Broussard, Riley Sheehan, and a second 
round pick. Right. So uh, you get a guy like Broussard on an expiring, on an expiring contract. Deal. You gave away some youth. Looks like they're making, looks like they're freeing up some cap space, yeah. buddy. Yep. For one, one of those two beasts. Uh, by the way, Bobrovsky has not been good this year. I don't know if it's because of the off-ice stuff, because of all this trade nonsense, but he has just hasn't been very yeah, good. For, he has, for, he's not for been the, best in the caliber. But, but we know he's a good goalie. It's like right. when Price has his dry spells, everyone's like, "This guy sucks." No, he's still pretty good. Right. Right. A bad Bobrovsky is still better than most. Exactly. You know. Correct. So it's interesting. Interesting things come in at the deadline. I, I always like when a team makes the, the trades weeks in advance. I, 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 I hate having to sit there and like wait and wait and wait because as much as people might think that like, oh, the market picks up and teams are more willing to offer a lot. I also think there's an element of the market dries up because more options are suddenly available at that point. And so – I prefer when, you know, if, if for example, the Muzzin trade, yes, that happens weeks ahead of the deadline. But if you get the offer you want and you're happy with what you want, you take it, I think. I don't think you sit there and you wait there for for someone to offer you a slightly better prospect or a slightly better first rounder because I think you could potentially end up not moving him at all and then, then you're at a loss, you know? Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm okay with this, with with how Blake is running things at the moment will be attached to our Twitters on that day as we usually are. Oh, I love I love Trade Centre. Yeah. Um, TSN Trade Centre. Hopefully hopefully nothing too big happens before because it kind of ruins the mystique of the day mm-hmm. when these big trades happen a few days before, but that's just part of the business. NBA yeah. trade the trade deadline was a bit of a bust <laughs> for the Lakers. <laughs> Uh, the, NBA, the NBA is just a weird, weird league at this point, man. Anyone can get traded at any point because the owners realize now that their superstar players basically are just going to go and demand random trades and outright tell people where they're going to sign in free agency. Like, I can't even imagine what yeah. the NHL would be like in that scenario. But it does, and this is not an NBA question, but it is an interesting conversation about. How much power should a player have over their own career? How much input, how much say-so or whatever should they have on where they play? Because if you look I, at it— I have if, no problem with that. I, I will always be on the side of a player because a player's lifespan, especially in I most of these leagues, is not that you. long. 100% I am all about players. I always say get your money, This, especially this sport, hockey— Careers are not that long. Right. Uh, even NBA careers aren't that long. I mean, you could extend it, but the big money years for, for these athletes aren't that long. And I like when a player says, you know what, this is where I want to play. Especially after they've given X amount of years to this team. You know, it's not like they're not pulling an Eric Lindros here. They're not on draft day saying, nah, I'm good. I don't want to play for Quebec. Or like Connor McDavid didn't say, I don't want to play for this tire fire. You know, although I bet he wishes he he did at this point. And and although hockey players are a different breed and all this stuff, I still do sometimes get frustrated when I see so much backlash against professional athletes when they try to take matters into their own hands, so to speak. Um, it's almost like indentured servitude sometimes, and yeah. it really drives me crazy. It's like 
an organization owns this entity, this person, and they have zero control over where they, like, if you, you and I, if we don't like our job, we can leave. Yeah. We are free to leave. We are free to not be there. So yes, the money's different, but it's always a very interesting conversation for me. And this whole Lakers, Anthony Davis thing made me think about it a little more, but I guess that's not here nor there. I mean, kind of, it kind of is because, you know, on the flip side of it, we're talking about Panarin and, you know, they're asking him about contract extensions with Columbus and where are you interested in going? And, and he's being a professional about it, all things considered. And he's saying, that's, that's not what I'm thinking about right now. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to play. Basically, I mean, he's saying it without saying it, but he's not coming out right and saying like, as soon as this season is done, I'm going to sign a contract in Florida, which is a very awkward situation right now, basically going on with Anthony Davis, where they're just like, yeah, I don't care where you guys trade me. You could trade me to the Clippers and I will sign a contract with the Lakers. Right, like, right. You know, I, I don't even know how that works. That's, that's such a weird thing. And that's so, a lot of that has to do with agents and yeah. like his representation basically – leaked they went public and they thought they were doing a good thing it ended up completely biting them in the ass right and i have never seen again i don't again we're talking basketball here but i've never seen a franchise purposefully mess with another franchise the way the pelicans messed with the lakers yeah over the last it was so entertaining because i you know look i'm an la guy i want the lakers to do well fine but I'm not invested the way I am invested in the Kings, and it's right. High, you're it's, able to you're able to look at it and like laugh, right? Correct. Instead it's of highly entertaining. I mean, it it is a BS move. <laughs> like it's even their social media was like messing with them. It, it's just it's hilarious. But well, then on the on the on the flip side, from the Lakers standpoint, I mean, they they straight up offered like seven roster players and two first round picks or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and the Pelicans were just like. No. So how do you go back to your roster players now and be like, all right, guys, let's <laughs> push for the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's Come what on. I mean. It, that's why it looks like the Pelicans are just completely messing with them. I've yeah. never seen a scenario like that in sports. And I turned it back to hockey. I was like, I have never. You cannot have a comparable situation to what's going on in this other league. It's just it, it's nuts. But NHL players have proven to be. For better or for worse. For yeah. better or for worse. Overly professional sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very vanilla. Will say the right things. Will mostly do the right things. And I'm not saying Anthony Davis is doing or saying the wrong things. I think he's also a pro. I think this was all on his agency and his representation just messing it up for him. And I think he's still going to want to play and all that. But I just... I, I can't imagine a scenario like that in hockey. No. But I wouldn't mind it. To tell <laughs> give me the entertainment, man. I mean, the closest thing I can think of, and it wasn't even not even a trade scenario, but like the whole uh, Tavares courting drama of of the summer of like teams driving up in different limos to the to the agent, you know, like to the agency and providing different video pitches and whatnot, and then you know he went and he ultimately went to Toronto, which I think was was kind of the thought to begin with, but just the overall bitterness from the Islanders towards him and the Islanders are doing okay right now, you know, all things considered, but then Lou Lamarillo leaves Toronto and goes, yeah. and goes I mean, it's, just, that's and about the closest. It's I about can the think closest. Of. And 
it's not even close. Yeah. Like, it's, look it doesn't at, even scratch the surface because everyone ends up happy in that scenario. Yeah, right? and, and that scenario, I think LeBron James invented that scenario. <laughs> and the NHL just kind of followed suit because right. I remember friggin' Brad Richards did the same thing in 2011 in the summer when the Kings were after him hard after they had right. gotten Mike Richards. He kind of did the same thing where he kind of set up shop. Teams rolled in, and that LeBron James invented that man. Except he made a gigantic, stupid spectacle out of it. He had an ESPN special where he sat down, and there was like dramatic music. What when he and said children? Yeah, and like he's so the NHL is like just a little lighter on those things, just a little yeah. lighter. Which if you're a fan of it, you might not like it, but that's the way it is. I would, however, still like to. I would still like to see these athletes, these these hockey players, be a little bit more outspoken. We've talked about this for years. I wouldn't mind Panarin saying, there's no way I'm signing here. Not saying I'm not ready to have con- contract talks just right. yet. Let's wait Let's wait till the offseason. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway, it's fun. Can I ask you a random question, speaking of players and contracts and stuff? I mean, this has been pretty random for the last 10 minutes, so... it's gonna. I'm going to bring it back to hockey at least a little bit. Let's do it. Let's do it. What are your thoughts on Brendan Leipzig? He's pretty good. Like, he's... It's hard for me to understand or gauge properly. Is he good because the Kings are so shallow Mm -hmm. right now in terms of depth? Or is he just... are they, though? Are they that shallow in terms of third or fourth line forward depth that Brendan Leipzig has to be like a second or third line forward after being waived by two other teams? Well, if you look, who are let's let's look at wingers, okay? Let's look at the left side. Kovalchuk, sure. Ayafalo, um, is Leipzig? I can't. Which side does he play? I um, I can't really think of it off the top. Uh, I I don't think he has. Anyway, Hag- Hagelin's on the left. Uh huh. And Clifford. I think those are your... Where's Luff been playing for the I, few times he has been I, playing? I think he's playing the right side. Right side. I think Wagner's a left who plays right. I think mm-hmm. Leipzig's a left who plays right. So it's weird. Like, you you hear those names. Like, who's really jumping out at you and be like, this guy needs minutes over Leipzig. Maybe Kovalchuk. But that's, like, apparently only our opinion. So, so it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like yes, the Kings are shallow on the wings, especially with uh, Pearson going out, and then Hagelin went down, and Brodzinski. Brodzinski's been injured all season. Wagner's been up and down. Love's been up and down. Lewis. Lewis is hurt. Kyle Clifford's just forever on the fourth line. Although he had a nice little first line run there for a while under. <laughs> Willie Desjardins but like it's just a bunch of question marks so I would would I take a chance on him I think I would if that's what we're talking about if you're straight up asking me would you basically retain Leipzig for next year I think I would because he's going to be cheap it's just it's interesting isn't it it's interesting because I'm looking at his like career stats and he's not necessarily doing anything that is drastically different than how he's ever scored his entire career, right? Like he played six games in Toronto in 15-16, had three points. He played 14 games in Vancouver in 17-18, had nine points. He played 44 games in Vegas, uh, obviously uh, as, a, as a result of the expansion draft at that point. He had 13 points in 44 games. 
and now he's got nine points in 26 with us, five points in – I mean, he's he projects out as like a third-line guy. Yes. Pretty scrappy overall. You know, you're not expecting much more than that from him. Granted, Willie Desjardins loves to put him on the power play for some inexplicable reason. Um, you also have to consider this, though. When you're a team like the Kings who are clearly trying to get faster, so he has a skill set, a very specific skill set that right now looks great on this team because we right. haven't seen speed in so long. So if you look at that and you throw him in there, maybe he's more valuable to the Kings than he was to these other teams. Mm-hmm. Talk about Toronto, Vegas. You're talking about teams could, that could skate. Um, although 15, 16 in the Leafs, I don't know how fast they were. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is Vegas, right? Like they were fast and Leipzig was very redundant on that team. So I don't know, maybe like one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of scenario. I really don't know. But I can tell you this, he looks good. He looks like he fits. He's he's a positive influence on the games. I, have, I haven't really seen him do anything where I could call him out on it. A lot of people, when the Kings acquired him, said expect just a lot of speed and no finish. And that still might be true. Right. But he has also been able to create offensive chances. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he assisted on Kempe's goal tonight. He assisted on Kempe's goal tonight. He's he's created offense. Has he finished himself? Has his, Have his teammates always finished? No. But, so that's kind of what I mean. Like, for a guy, how old is he? 24. He's 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you when you're retooling like the Kings are? Why wouldn't you? It, it's – I would. Is he a RFA? Uh, I believe or, so. And again, it's it's not a it's not a whatever. I mean, it's not a truly important question. It's just something that kind no, of came to is, mind it because is an I was interesting, like, "It is an interesting question because it very much yeah, signals." He's RFA. Okay, so he's, he's RFA. RFA. His current contract is six hundred fifty k. Okay, you're probably going to retain him for seven fifty. Yeah. Why not? It's not like he hasn't earned it. It's just interesting. It's just interesting to me that you're talking about a guy who's on his fourth NHL team and, you know, picked him up off of waivers and now we're kind of finding a spot for him and and you're in that situation where you're just looking at it and you're like, is this someone that you keep? Are are we really in that type of a position or is he potentially filling a spot that maybe yeah. a younger guy should be taking. Cause that was one of the things that I was always, you know, I'm still not, I don't feel like I've seen Matt Luff get, you know, really substantial minutes and, you know, I don't know how long truthfully he didn't even play tonight. So, and, and he was looking really good for the games he was playing. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's my hesitation is, is you kind of know what you're getting with him, and if you're going to plug him in and play him as a third line forward, I guess that's fine. But yeah. I just when when you, when I see him plugged in on on the power play, sometimes I'm just that's a, a little whole confused. other no, that's a right. whole other story, and I agree with you. But you also have to consider who the Kings are going to unload, how much cap space they're going to have. Right. Although this is an insignificant cap hit, no matter what, right? You still have to kind of take those things into consideration. Like Carl Hagelin's going to come off the books, I assume. Mm-hmm. Nate Thompson's going to come off the books, I assume. That's it's already $5 million. That's pretty crazy. That right Those there. two guys are $5 million. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> if, you could, if you're going to unload Jeff Carter, that's, man, you're looking at a lot of cap space. And I don't, I'm not exactly expecting the Kings to go out and make some kind of free agent signing splash or something. But you do have a ton of RFAs coming up. Yeah. And 
It's good. really none of them are particularly expensive. I no, mean, I mean, following can be probably going to be yeah, they're they're going to be the most expensive ones, right? Basically, probably like two to, million each or so. Yeah, if you want to resign Fattenberg, okay, yeah, he's not going to be expensive, right? So the Kings might have a lot of money to play with, right? Why not throw some dough <laughs> at Leipzig? What if Kovalchuk gets dealt? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's another, the other. You that's know, that's another, that's another scenario. You're yeah. right. You're right. That was another one that we didn't really talk about because we, I don't know. I guess in my heart of hearts, I just don't think it's going to happen. But that is that is a well. We're you know, we're fans option. of the player for a long time, so that's I still maintain that you could probably have him be part of the solution. But it it is only three years, and does he want to be a part of this? Yeah, there's a lot of questions there, a lot of rumors that he's willing to waive his no move clause to go to a contender. I, I don't know. I don't know if this deal with the Kings was really about winning or if it was like I want to live in Los Angeles and play pro hockey. Yeah. So and and you guys are the ones giving me three years, right? Where so no one else will that kind of thing. You're not gonna really know what his intentions were. So if he if he's dead, if he's like I want to stay here. I want to play with Kopitar or whoever for the next three years, winning whatever is secondary. Then, yeah, he could straight up block a trade. So it doesn't, yeah. you know, doesn't even really matter what the Kings want at that point. So uh, we we talked briefly about this at the beginning of the episode. I guess we could touch on it. Uh, Dion Phaneuf, mm. healthy scratch for the first time in his uh, in his career. Is it really? Yeah. Wow, I thought it was first time ever in his career. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, Toronto wasn't going to put him in the rafters, right? Um, I should say and to the some press extent. Box. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the <laughs> not, rafters. Definitely not the rafters, Dion. Um, and some of it, I think, is uh, you know, it's weird to say this, but I think some of it is somewhat tied to his contract. I think it's it kind of carries a little bit of weight of like, well, we're paying this guy this much. He's really got to be bad for us not to play him, at least through the Toronto years. Of course. And then, and then obviously in Ottawa, like very thin on defense most nights. Um, and Ottawa liked him. They had that they did good like playoff him. run. He's, he was a he's big a, part he's of He's a it. good guy. Like that's that's not what it comes down to. I think it's just, you know, we've noticed his minutes dwindling and we've definitely noticed his uh, defensive performance dwindling as well yeah. over the last several weeks. And so um, – I'm a little shocked given some of the asinine decisions that Willie Desjardins has made um, that he is the first coach ever to come out and healthy scratch Dion Phaneuf. Yeah. It's it's impressive. <laughs> You're impressed by Willie D. Uh, it's, it's, it might be the only time I've been impressed by him. I mean, he has made ballsy moves. Benching Ilya Kovalchuk, whether you like it or not, takes a set. <laughs> All right, for the guy that was your big offseason acquisition. Right. And I can't imagine Rob Blake being happy that Kovalchuk was benched. But yeah. he still did it. So uh, I guess I'm not questioning his, his balls <laughs> so much as it's just his co- brains. coaching acumen. Yeah. Um, balls, check. Brains, question mark. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Do uh, you think they buy him out? Uh, I don't think so. That's, it's, a, that's an expensive buyout. That's an expensive buyout. You're still that's... a little bit on the hook for the for the Richards issue and yeah. stuff. And I don't think they do. Um, 
and I don't know if they could bury him in Ontario, like how much that would, if, if anything would come off of the books by doing that. Um, but I think they might explore that option and then maybe they consider buying him out of the very last year of the contract when yeah. the hit is a little less dispersed. So um, it would be, let's see if they bought him out. Are you doing a buyout calculator? You know, this, <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they bought him out, the 1920 season would it's cost a, him. Would co- be two thirds oh of the God. value of the contract. This is not happening across across like double the length of the deal, right? You also have like to so you, so you have to consider initial cap hit and base salary and all that. Oh God! So his first year would be two point nine. Uh huh. His second year would be five point four oh. million. They're not going to do that. No. Hell no. no. They will gladly eat another year of that contract. Yeah, exactly. Because where are they going if in the next two seasons that that his five million, five point two million hit is is going to be a problem? Yeah. You know? No. Totally. Totally. Let's see what uh, the buyout would be if they bought him out in twenty twenty. Still not good, Vardy. Twenty twenty one, five million. For one year. Twenty one twenty two, one million. So. Yeah, it's that five million, man. But he would make that five million anyway in twenty twenty one, because that's that's his the value of his deal is five point two five. So in essence, you would save two fifty for that one year, for the trade off of one million the following year. So I think that's more realistic than than doing it in nineteen twenty. Right, maybe so. Maybe so. Or like I said, or maybe you try and bury him in Ontario and you get whatever relief you can from it because are you really going to play him 12 minutes a night when clearly his defensive performance is is leading to goals being scored against your team who's a bad team we can bury him on and <laughs> no one wants him yeah we already tried that with gabrick should have kept should have kept gabrick boys we should have ltir baby he's should've. living the dream should have he's in la yeah he's, he's in, he in ottawa Guaranteed. He's on the beach right Guaranteed. now. He's, he's long-term IR with a Mai Tai in his hand. <laughs> exactly. And he, he care less. Nope. And he I is, don't blame him. He's a beauty. He's got <laughs> that's, money. That's as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's got a cup ring. He's got a Ferrari. He's got his wife. He's got his beach house. Life is good for yeah. Marion Gabrick. Meanwhile, we're sitting here talking about how, <laughs> how what are we going to do with Dion Phaneuf? <laughs> oh, man. Gabby always wins. everything keeps coming up gabby that's the bottom line all right i think we've covered everything we need to cover vardy we even circled back to marion gabrick that's the best way to never a bad thing vardy loves it never a bad thing so next time we gotta decide vardy should we wait until after the deadline or should we do a pre-deadline episode so it's gonna be around that time uh, when our next episode should drop, it could be right before the deadline or after. We're gonna have to make an executive yeah, life, decision. Life may intervene as well. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. But as always, guys, two weeks, give or take, is the <laughs> schedule. You could take that to the bank. I mean, like a like consistent. a Swiss watch. Two weeks, give or take. <laughs> exactly. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. We always enjoy it. Episode 35 is in the books. Episode 36 is next. Vardy, I'm sure, will get to work immediately on figuring oh, the, out the names I'm going to dig up. <laughs> figuring out if <laughs> the it's random... the Fuka Fuji episode <laughs> or not.
Let's look ahead real quick before we wrap this bad boy up. So Boston coming up on Saturday. They're not playing Another, well. No, they're not. They are not. Washington also kind of wavering a bit right now. Yeah. Vancouver, the which will probably be the maybe the easiest of those upcoming three, four games for the next week. So obviously the one I expect us to lose. Um, Vancouver tied for the final wild card spot as correct. we speak. Who would have thunk it? I think uh, St. Louis has a game in hand, and so they might be ahead just based on that. But um, Three so you games go Boston. In hand, actually. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there it is. So Boston, Washington, Vancouver, and Boston again. Mm. That that brings you through to the 16th, and then Washington again. Lovely. <laughs> on the 18th, so uh, we get to see uh, now the um, highest scoring Russian player ever, in Alex Ovechkin. Just absolutely demolishing pucks still at the ripe age of 33 or however old he is. I believe that's correct. He's going to win the rocket. You know that. Doesn't he already have it in the bag? <laughs> I'm not sure where the goal scoring leaders are. but He's 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 leading it. He's been leading it basically since the beginning of the season. But um, anyway, a couple – yeah, there's, there's, there's a good number of games in the next couple of weeks leading up to the deadline. And on deadline day, we play Tampa, and then right afterwards, we play Carolina. So, Oof. busy month coming up ahead. A very, um, very opportune time for the Kings to get out of this playoff picture. And it could it could really go either way. When you look at these teams, it could really go either way. They could go 2-5, and five, or they could keep the streak going, and suddenly we're sitting in, in an even odder position come trade deadline. Yeah. Wouldn't be the LA Kings if anything came easy to us, folks. There you go. Years of experience talking. Indeed. Indeed. That's it, guys. Follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. Drop us an email. Have we gotten one yet? We got a few. <laughs> Our boy Mike Irwin always uh, <laughs> popping in with the emails. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I wish I could read them. <laughs> But, but I can't, can't, guys. Believe me <laughs> on this. I cannot. But Sometimes our, I blush reading them. But he's our boy. He's our boy. Um, and we support Mike Irwin as long as those emails <laughs> never get leaked. But email us, <laughs> thebannermanpod at gmail.com. Subscribe. Leave us a review, guys. Come on. How many times am I going to ask for someone to leave a review? We Look, we embrace all reviews. Tell us we're bad. Tell mm-hmm. us Vardy's ruining the show. Something. It's true. I am. <laughs> no, but thank you guys for all your love on Twitter. We love, we absolutely love interacting on Twitter. Vardy especially loves it. Ain't that right, I, big guy? Oh, man, I love gifts. Any, anytime <laughs> I can respond to you in a gif, you know you're a special person to me. Oh, that's it for us, guys. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. <laughs>